Peace be upon you. So last week we discussed the uh, topic of free will, and the uh, conclusion I came to uh, as of now is the fact that the free will we have, while God knows the outcome, we don't. And God has perfectly orchestrated everything in our lives to bring out our true convictions so we can realize why we made the decisions we did, why we deserve to go to heaven or hell. Uh, in 67.2 it reads, The one who created death and life for the purpose of distinguishing those among you who would do better is almighty forgiving. So just like that clip we uh, listened to from the, uh, the Matrix, the purpose why we're here is to realize why we made the decisions. And one of the uh, strong advocates of the people who are saying there is no free will, everything is deterministic, is Sam Harris. And one of the arguments he makes, because it's always kind of comical, someone arguing there's no free will um, in an argument, because then all our thoughts, all our actions are deterministic. And his response to that is he says, look, if I explain to you that 2 plus 2 is equal to 4, uh, it doesn't change the uh, fact that 2 plus 2 is equal to 4. And what I would argue uh, counter to that is the fact that once you know 2 plus 2 is equal to 4, it changes everything. Because the way you operate in the world, the way you work in the world, the way you think about the world has been constructed in a way that you can never go back prior to knowing that information. And there's an awesome concept known as uh, neuroplasticity. Um, we know about epigenetics. Epigenetics is the uh, uh, genetic markers that change and shift over time of a lifespan that affects the offspring of those individuals. So for instance, if your grandparents went through hardship, if they had to uh, go through points of starvation, that literally changed their genetic makeup and affected you as their grandchild. And that's the realm of epigenetics. Now neuroplasticity is the fact that when we come uh, our brains are constantly adapting, they're changing, they're molding, they're malleable uh, to the point that when we learn new information, we absorb new information, we think about things differently, literally our brain changes uh, to the point that they used to think that, you know, someone who has a stroke or uh, has uh, uh, destroyed uh, mental capacity, there's no way of getting that back. And what they found out is that the brain can reconstruct itself uh, despite having uh, lesions or injuries uh, to the brain. And it's to the point where literally what we think about changes the way that our brains, uh, uh, the physiology of our brains. There was a book, it's called Molecules of Emotion, and it was showing that when we have emotions, when we certain uh, feel certain things, that there's these uh, peptides released into our uh, uh, bodies, and the cell receptors targeted towards those peptides will replicate looking for more of those peptides. So if you feel more anger, more happiness, more joy, uh, more love, all these things, it's a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy to the point that it gets into your physiology. And all this shows that while we can't, um, we there's a lot of factors that we can control. The things that matter, we can control, right? We can control our thoughts. We can control what we think about, how we view a circumstance. And based on this, it's going to dictate our outcome. In chapter 10, 9, it says, as for those who believe and lead a righteous life, their Lord guides them by virtue of their belief. Rivers will flow beneath them in the gardens of bliss. So anything we believe, God is going to guide us by virtue of that belief. If you want to have, uh, you believe that you live in a, a sane, just uh, world, God is going to allow you to see a sane, just world in this uh, universe. Same thing, if you believe that you live in a hostile, uh, there is no justice, there is, you know, anything can happen, chaotic world, you're going to see things to reaffirm that. And the way our brains are constructed is we have all these cognitive biases that reaffirm what it is that we already believe. And this could be either used for our advantage or to our detriment. Um, in 1975 and 76, it says, say, those who choose to go astray, the most gracious will lead them on until they see what is promised for them, either the retribution or the hour. 
That is when they find out who really is worse off and weaker in power. 1976. God augments the guidance of those who choose to be guided. For the good deeds are eternally rewarded by your Lord and bring far better returns. Meaning that if you choose to go astray or you choose to be guided, God is going to reconfirm those beliefs for you. So to the point that someone's a believer and someone's a disbeliever, they can become completely fixated on their belief. And obviously one is right, one is wrong. But the question is, how do we dictate? How do we know if we're actually right or if we're uh, just being veiled or if we're uh, tricking ourselves? And um, God tells us that it's a tragic statement in 288. Uh, it says, when my mind is made up, it says, some would say our minds are made up. Instead, it is a curse from God as a consequence of their disbelief that keeps them from believing, except uh, for a few of them. So if you ever believe that you have everything figured out, that there's nothing else to learn, you're going to be locked out of ever changing, ever coming to a new understanding. And um, uh, this can become very uh, catastrophic because we can become veiled. We can become blind to God's message, to the all the proofs that are out there, uh, if we have this kind of mentality. In 7146, it says, I will divert from my revelations those who are arrogant on earth without justification. Consequently, when they see every kind of proof, they will not believe. And when they see the path of guidance, they will not adopt it as their path. But when they see the path of strain, they will adopt it as their path. This is the consequence of their rejecting our proofs and uh, being totally heedless thereof. And 4523 says, Have you noted those whose God is his ego? Consequently, God sends him astray, despite his knowledge, seals his hearing in his mind, and places a veil on his eyes. Who then can guide him after such a decision by God? Would you not take heed? So if we are fixed in the sense that God says, hey, uh, if you choose to go astray, you're going to be veiled. You're not going to be able to see. You're going to be blind. You're going to be sent astray. How do we ever come back to God's kingdom? How do we ever come back to the truth? And um, how do we know if we're, uh, we're fooling ourselves? And I think a perfect example of this is in uh, Abraham in chapter 21. Uh, so in this uh, chapter, what Abraham does is uh, he's uh, a youth and all the, the people in his village, they're worshiping uh, statues. And Abraham proves a point. He destroys all the statues except for the big one. And um, 2163, it says Abraham proves his points as he said. So they came looking for him. They're questioning him. Uh, what happened? And this is Abraham's response. It is the big one who did it. Go ask them if they can speak. They were taken aback and said to themselves, Indeed, you are the ones who have been transgressing. Yet they reverted to their old ideas. You know full well that these cannot speak. So in this moment when Abraham crushed their worldview in the sense of destroying those idols and saying, Hey, uh, you, you think I did that? Go ask that big idol there uh, if they can speak. And they realized that these things are just statues. They're things that they carved out of their own hands. They have no merit whatsoever as far as uh, divine authority. Um, and they're taken aback and they realize, and it says here, indeed, you are the ones who have been transgressing. They reflect upon themselves, yet they reverted to their old ideas. Uh, you know full well that these cannot speak. So there's this glimmer of hope when they saw the truth and they had the choice to change their mentality, change the way they view the world or to revert back to their old ideas and they lost it. And um, this concept is known as cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is we each have a worldview. Occasionally, we're going to see things in reality that is going to contradict our worldview. And we have one of two choices. Either we can change our worldview, change our mentality, change our idea, or we can try to sugarcoat over the reality we just witnessed with our own eyes. And each time we come into these uh, inflection points, 
These are the moments where we can change. We see something that we realize, and you say, uh, you see the verse in the Quran where uh, the people, the, the disbelievers, they, they don't believe in God until you know, a moment comes in their life where they're deeply imploring God uh, to, to help them, to save them, to provide for them. Uh, and when God responds, they immediately revert. So they saw it. They had this cognitive dissonance where they had this worldview. They say there is no God. Then they come into the, the, the realization that God is their only savior. And as soon as it's, uh, God responds to them, they revert. And in our lives, we're going to see things where something we're going to see in reality is going to conflict our worldview. And the question is, if we're in search of truth, we're always going to be in the aspect of willing to put aside our worldview for what the reality really is. Because the believers love the truth. One of God's name is the truth. And um, once we have that sincerity, just seeking the truth, seeking God's word, seeking uh, the, uh, the, the way that this world actually functions with God in absolute control, then our hearts can be opened up. In 1311, it says, shifts of angels take turns uh, staying with each one of you. They're in front of you and behind you. They stay with you and guard you in accordance with God's commands. Thus, God does not change the condition of any people unless they themselves make the decision to change. If God wills any hardship for any people, no force can stop it for they have none beside him as Lord and Master. So it says again, God does not change the condition of any people unless they themselves make the decision to change. And no one's going to make that decision to change until they genuinely reflect. And these happens at these, uh, these inflection points where we see cognitive dissonance in this world. We have the opportunity to change our mentality, change our viewpoint. And if we capitalize on that, God is going to reward us. And if we revert then we're going to be veiled. We're going to miss our opportunity. And we have to pray that maybe God is going to provide us a new opportunity where we can become enlightened. And 9.1.15 says, God does not send any people astray after he has guided them without first pointing out for them what to expect. God is fully aware of all things. God gives these markers into people's lives. Every single one of us, we're going to see signs of God. And we have these opportunities to become reverent so God can open up our heart or we can become shielded, in which case our hearts become like stone. And um, in 18.103.104, uh, the subtitle says, Examine yourself. Say, shall I tell you who the worst losers are? They are the ones whose works in this life are totally astray, but they think that they are doing good. This is the worst thing that could happen to a person. You think about it. You think you're on the right path. You think that you're doing everything great, only to find out that it was to your own detriment. What a terrible, terrible uh, thing. You think like, say, for instance, you start a business and you, you, uh, you have all these ambitions. You put all your time, your blood, sweat, and tears into it, only to find out that it's an utter failure. You know, what a devastating act. And now imagine if you, you uh, <laughs> replace a business with your life. You spend an entire life trying to accumulate uh, what's valuable, what really matters only to find out that you've wasted that entire time. And um, this brings me to my uh, second point is, what is the purpose of this life, right? Because what is it that we're trying to accumulate in this life? And I'm going to make an argument um, that the only purpose in this life is to obtain righteousness. That's it. Because at the end of the day, nothing else matters. And I'm going to provide a thought experiment. So for those who are familiar with the name Phineas Gage, so Phineas Gage was a, uh, a railroad worker in the 1800s, and what happened was there was an accident in the uh, railroad, and a rod came and basically went through his head, through his uh, brain, and he survived, and he was functional. And uh, doctors were perplexed by this behavior. So that's the backstory. So here's the scenario one. 
So Phineas is extremely kind. He really enjoys helping people. He's also employed as a railroad worker. One day at work, a railroad explosion uh, caused a large iron spike to fly out and into his head, and he's immediately taken for uh, emergency uh, surgery. The doctors manage to remove the iron spike, and uh, the patient is fortunate to survive. However, in some ways, this man after the accident is remarkably different from Phineas before the accident. Phineas before the accident was extremely kind and enjoyed helping people. But the man after the accident is now extremely cruel. He even enjoys harming people. So that's scenario one. So Phineas had the accident and he went from being extremely kind and helpful to being cruel and uh, harmful. So here's scenario two. Scenario two is the exact same, except Phineas before the accident was cruel and harmful and mean. And after the accident, he became kind and compassionate. So the question is, if you ask people this in a group and you say, is the first Phineas the same as the second? In scenario one, when Phineas went from good to bad, they say, no, Phineas is different. This is a different person. Something happened to him that changed his behavior. And what's ironic is in scenario two, more people will say, no, the real Phineas is the one who basically uh, became good. Now, despite before or after the accident, it's interesting how people view the individual. They view the individual who's progressed towards being good as the real self, right? They look at Phineas when he was kind and compassionate despite before or after the accident. They say, that's the real Phineas. The other one is an imposter. The other one is a uh, byproduct of uh, uh, things that happen in life that you can't be controlled. And this is, becomes apparent when you think about it, when you present yourself to uh, individuals. You want to present the best self you can. You think about like you you uh, you send the resume to a to a job offer. You know you're going to be promoting all the things that are good about you, all your achievements, all your accomplishments. Right? These are the things that you focus on, not your pitfalls, not your shortcomings, not where you messed up, not the time that you you know uh, slept in and you uh, missed an important meeting or something like that. And you realize when it comes at the end of the day. The thing that really matters is our righteousness. What did we do good in this world? What did we good, do good in this life? And uh, one of the telling signs of this is a eulogy. When someone passes and then they're, uh, uh, they're uh, who are those people? The people who survived, the, the surviving kin, they um, write a eulogy. They write about all the good things the person did, the time they gave to charity, the people they helped, the influence they had, the uh, the, the people they employed, they, all these things that they, the individual did during their life that was good. And they take out the parts that are bad, meaning at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is our righteousness. Everything else is an imposter self, right? It's the, the, uh, the, the part of us that we want to disassociate with. Um, and you think about usually when someone has like a physical transformation, they go from fat to thin, they go from unhealthy to healthy. It's always in the sense that they say the real self is the one that's closer to the ideal, closer to perfection. That's the real self. And it's interesting that we have these viewpoints and we realize when we die, the only thing that matters is righteousness. And um, for uh, Star Trek fans, there's the example of, uh, uh, so this was an episode from 1968, it says Enemy Within, in which case they, and there was a ton of spinoffs from this, but there was a, uh, Captain Kirk, uh, there was a uh, issue with the uh, transporter, and uh, it created two Kirks, and there was negative Kirk and positive Kirk. You know, negative Kirk was the, uh, the all the bad characteristics of Captain Kirk, and positive Kirk was all the good characteristics. Now, the irony is, Kirk, the real Kirk, was somewhere in between. There was good and bad. But the aspect is that we consider the negative Kirk as the imposter Kirk and the positive Kirk is the real Kirk. 
and you see this time and time again, you know, in these uh, these movies, these uh, scenarios, these imagination, where we attribute the good that someone does with the real self, the real person, and the bad, we kind of uh, uh, disassociate ourselves from that. And in 726, it reads, O children of Adam, we have provided you with garments to cover your bodies as well as lux uh, for luxury. But the best garment is the garment of righteousness. These are some of God's signs that you may take heed. All right? We... All these things are irrelevant in the sense of uh, things that don't matter because none of this we're going to carry over. The only thing that matters into our uh, next life, into all of eternity, is what righteous deeds did we do in this life? Who did we help? Um, did we make God our absolute focus? Uh, what did we give to charity? Uh, did we kill our egos and basically become selfless? And if we can uh, say confidently, yes, 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 uh, to those things, then we know that we're, we're getting our priorities straight, that we're focused on the hereafter and um, we're focused on the real self um, and we're growing our garment of righteousness. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.